0: in to another edition of the all things abama podcast powered by bamacentral.com i'm your host tyler martin joined with me is joey blackwell here to preview the sweet 16 how sweet it is alabama is set to play ucla inside hankle field on saturday 6 central seven fifteen eastern on tbs joey how's it going man
1: doing all right it's been a it's been an interesting week getting back from Indianapolis, and now you and I are set to head out tomorrow, uh, AKA Saturday. So, um, been a very busy week, very very interesting week, but uh, here we go again.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's it's gonna be fun, man. Going back up there and kind of getting a feel uh, for, for just the tournament in general. I mean, it's been awesome. You know, the the setting it's in, all the entire city of Indianapolis, the entire state of Indiana. If you include Bloomington and West Lafayette, the, the first second round games that are played there. Um, a lot of fun. A lot of fun. And now Alabama is going back to Hinklefield Fieldhouse where it will try to find its stroke, where it didn't have it in round one against Iona. You know, it shot a season low, 16 attempts, only made five threes, which were second fewest all year. Um, but against Maryland, it was obviously a different story, right? I mean, Alabama made 16 threes. Um, they, were, they scored 96 points. Petty and Shackford combined for 41. So a little bit of a different story. But, but Joey, I, I think more so the Iona game may have been just – First game jitters combined with a new arena, combined with a lot of other factors, and I don't really think the storyline heading into this about them and not being able to perform well in there is kind of maybe a farce.
1: Well, that was definitely some first game jitters. I mean, all around, and then combine that with um, combine that with a continued the continued struggles of John Petty at the time. Um, just it was a recipe for. Um, Just not a great performance, and unfortunately, Alabama, of course, prevailed, and they moved on, and we got, I think this, what we saw against Maryland is this true Alabama team and their potential. If Alabama can play like they did against Maryland, um, I think they're going to be just fine. I think they're going to make it um, against UCLA this Sunday, Um, but yeah, definitely some first game jitters combined with with a, a struggling offense that found its rhythm the next game, fortunately. Um, I am a little bit concerned about them playing in Hinkle again just because there was, there was um, those issues. But for, hopefully um, the offense will continue to find its rhythm after Maryland and they'll play with confidence um, despite where they're playing.
0: Yeah, no doubt about it, Joey. And, and, you know, they practiced Thursday in Lucasville Stadium. They'll practice Friday inside Hinkle. Um, so they'll get another chance to go in there and get some shots up. Now this matchup with UCLA, I, I just kind of look at it. I look at the tempo. UCLA in the 300s, Alabama, you know, obviously a top five team in the country in tempo. They're fast. Mick Cronin is the complete opposite of Nate Oates. Mick wants to slow you down, grind you out. There's going to be tough. They're, you know, they want to get deep into the shot clock. They don't, they don't really mind, you know, shooting in the last 10 seconds of a shot clock. Alabama has got to be patient defensively in this game, Joey. But, you know, I kind of look at it and I think it's just another Maryland matchup, right? Because, you know, going into that game, I mean, Maryland was god-awful at defending the 397th in the country and ucla isn't much better i think they're around 200 um and i looked at that and i said hey this is kind of the x factor for me of why alabama style works while why alabama style can propel it over these opponents because um just the, the volume of threes they're able to shoot and ucla you know with Mick Cronin, I mean, their defense has obviously been the storyline, but their offense is a lot better this year. Kentucky transfer Johnny Juzang is actually the leading scorer in the NCAA tournament right now. He's averaging 22 points over these last three games uh, in, in the big dance, so he's a guy to watch out for. But I just think the matchup favors Alabama so much the way this bracket's broken out that, that I don't think Alabama fans really need to, to feel, um, you know, kind of maybe the anxiety or worries that they would have had maybe against the Rick Pitino team.
1: Yeah, I agree. And um, not to look not to look too far ahead. But I mean, if they are able to take on UCLA and win, then they do play Michigan and Florida State. And um, while those will be tougher matchups, I do like the outlook of that next round. Um, but taking it back to, to UCLA, one thing that I've seen some people talk about, but not a lot of people talk about is, of course, People, everybody talks about how Mike, how Mick Cronin, you know, likes to slow down teams, plays at a very slow pace. But we have to remember that Maryland was known for doing that exact same thing. They play at a much slower pace than Alabama, and that was one concern going into the game is, will Alabama be forced to, to slow down to play at Maryland's pace, or will they, you know, blow Maryland out of the water and keep playing their speed and wear Maryland out? Well, that's what happened. I see that exact same thing happening here. Maybe Alabama plays a little bit slower, but I think the tempo that Alabama plays at – um, will will ultimately prevail. you know one thing I've mentioned over the past week a couple of times was what going heading into the Maryland game, people were concerned with oh you know Maryland shoots so well, you know they have such a high shooting percentage um, compared to Alabama. While that was the case at the time, you also had to factor in that Maryland being a slower team doesn't take as many shots as Alabama does. Alabama on average takes a much many more shots and yes they miss that means they miss many more shots, but also they make a lot more too which lowers their percentage when you combine those together. So I think Alabama's offense uh, and their defense are too solid in too many areas. Um, I think the defense is strong enough inside and out to keep UCLA from grinding for points like it's been doing through the tournament UCLA's um, tournament run comes to an end here. Alabama's offense is just too explosive on the outside and stronger at moving the ball around. And I think the threes are going to be there unlike they were the last time that we were, took a visit to Hinkle.
0: Yeah, um, I, you know, let, let's hope so. Let's hope that's the case that the shots are falling because Alabama, you know, Jevon Quinley talked about it yesterday. I mean, the fans, he was so he was so shocked by how many Alabama fans showed up inside Hinkle Fieldhouse. And there was a lot of them in the upper deck. Um, and, and I don't want to get into, oh man, you know, the, the protocols or whatever, because it's so dumb to me, Joey, that, you know, all the fans are basically um, shoved up to the upper decks and there's nobody in the lower bowl. And yet, you know, they've got these these barriers up, um, blocking even the commentators from the players. And you can sit; I mean, shoot, you can sit probably thirty feet away from a player, and they're still worried about, um, you know, infection things like that. And I get it; I, I get it. But still, it's just frustrating me because um, even at Hinkle, I thought the atmosphere for the game was better at Hinkle than Bankers Life, and that's obviously because Hinkle's a much smaller gym, and the, it's right on top of the court compared to Bankers Life, which is an NBA arena.
1: Well, what was interesting to me is um, I understand them put it, wanting to put a barrier between the fans and the players. I I understand that because of course they've they've tried to create as best they can a bubble for the players. But then at the same time, they cram the fans together in the upper sections. Now we didn't see really we didn't really see that as much of a play a factor at, at Bankers Live Fieldhouse, where it's a much, much larger arena. But at Hinkle, when you only have fans in the upper areas, um, that really kind of crams the fans together, and it's like, are we, so we're only concerned about the athletes. We're not really concerned about the fans. Now, some of those fans might have been moved, might have been moving to the seats they weren't exactly assigned to. But um, if we're going to play this and um, and preach concern for fans and players, there needs to be a better way. And I think opening up those lower bowl seats allows better room for social distancing. But you can't have it both ways. You can't claim to be trying to Uh, have social distancing for fans and care about fan safety as well as the players, but then only allow them to sit in these tiny sections at the top where where they're all going to be clustered together.
0: Another thing too, this is outside of just the fan or whatever, something on the court, Joey. Um, You know, one of the other reasons I think that Alabama is just playing at such a high level right now is because of the production of Alex Reese and you got uh, Josh Primo back. And guess what? I mean, against Iona, All Reese did was take two threes. He played good defense as well down low on Nellie Jr. Joseph. But but the two threes that he took were in the second half. They opened the game wide open. They won the game because of those two shots. And then guess what? He makes three threes against Maryland. Primo makes two. Primo looks unbelievable. Looks like he doesn't miss a beat. When you're getting production from those two guys, especially Reese, who's playing some of the best basketball of his career, Alabama at that point to me is really unstoppable. And I just don't know if UCLA has got the horses. Now, they recruited very well. They're a young team. Um, Johnny Juzang is unbelievable, but um, and Tiger Campbell's another good player, point guard as well. Um, Cody Riley uh, down low. They, they, they're a more traditional basketball team. They play all five positions. Alabama's more positionless. Um, but I just think, man, when Alex Reese is feeling Primo, Shackleford, Petty, and Herb Jones is getting to the rack. I mean, look at that Maryland game. I mean, Herb Jones, you know, he's in foul trouble, and Alabama wins that game by 19 points really without him. So. -hmm. Um, Alabama, I think uh, you know they're favored by six, I believe, right now. I think Alabama
1: covers that. I do too, and I think I think just right now, all the pieces are falling into place for Alabama at the right time. Like you said, you know, you have (coughs) Alex Reese is playing some of the best basketball of his career right now at at the perfect time, right when Alabama needs him to. John Petty finally um, got over that offensive slump that he's been in over the past couple of um, couple of weeks. Um, you have Herbert Jones that even in foul trouble, you had the return, um, was able to do, um, you know, the, the team around him was able to perform. You have Josh Prima coming off of injury. Um, Jordan Bruner is, is kind of the one piece I'd like to see more production from, but at the same time, you kind of have to give him some leeway because he's still struggling with his knees, which is completely understandable. But, um, that being said, you have Jawan Gary stepping up. You have Keon Ellis um, playing really well. Um, we'll see if either, if either he or Primo gets the start this Sunday. That's one of my biggest questions. Is Primo going to return to the starting position or is Ellis going to continue there and have Primo come off the bench? But, and of course, you can't talk about Alabama basketball without talking about how, how on fire Jawan Quinnerly has been lately um, coming off the bench. Um, and just like I said, all these pieces are falling into place at the perfect time for Alabama. They're playing some of their – against Maryland, they played some of the best basketball this season, and if they can keep that up, this team is a really scary team heading into the rest of the tournament.
0: Yeah, and, uh, and too, I mean, Jawan Gary, right, I mean, his intensity, his effort um, in the rebounding department has been phenomenal, and he's scoring more now than he did in the regular season. He's been great. Uh, so we both have Alabama advancing to the Elite Eight for the first time since 2004. Joey, um, let's take a look at these other matchups and uh, and see kind of who you got. Um, let's start with, with who would play Alabama, or UCLA, Michigan, or Florida State. Michigan looks very vulnerable. Florida State defensively looks like one of the best teams in the country. They're long. They're basically they've got. I mean, they got walking trees. Um, they've got so many guys who are just massive. They, they, you know, they they whooped up on Colorado. They beat UNC Greensboro in the first round. Who do you have uh, advancing to play the winner of UCLA and Florida State?
1: Well, I mean, (laughs) nobody look at my bracket from what I had before. Um, (laughs) But uh, I have, I believe, I have Michigan um, advancing over Florida State now. But I would like to echo what you said. I think this game is really a toss up. These are two very talented teams. But Michigan is is I feel like they're probably feeling pretty exposed right now. They haven't had they had a great game against LSU, but they had to come back against the, an eight seed. Um, Florida State can look to take advantage of that. Um, but right now, I have Michigan advancing. Um, I think that a one and two seed in the East would be a would be a great matchup. I think I like the way Michigan matches up against an Alabama team that's playing as well as it is right now. <clears throat>
0: Yeah. So, so I'll take Florida state in this one um, just because the injury to livers, no livers and Michigan look very vulnerable against LSU. I think Florida state's defense um, is, is, is able to overcome Michigan, especially in the interior. Um, Give me Florida state, Leonard Hamilton. And then you have Florida state, Alabama in that matchup. And, and that's going to be, you know, a battle for who can make it to the first final four um, of their program history, which would be really, really cool. If we get to witness that either matchup, I think is kind of favorable for, you know, I, I say favorable. I think it's, um, an above average matchup for Alabama. let me say that. I think Alabama um, would, would, would like either one of those teams and, and would succeed against either one of those teams in my opinion. Let's move up to the West bracket, Joey. Uh, Gonzaga Creighton. I'll be honest with you, Gonzaga is going to roll over Creighton uh, Creighton. I mean they, they're, they're lucky to be here. I mean they survived U.S uh, UCSB, uh, Ohio, they, they dominated Ohio, but but I mean they're, they're I mean that ball rimming out against UCSB. I mean they're, they're very lucky to be in the situation. And I think Gonzaga just pummels them with, with Jalen Suggs and Drew Timmy and, and those big guys.
1: Yeah, there's not much else to say. I mean, you just said it all. Um, I think Gonzaga rolls over, rolls over Creighton, and uh, as the as the Gump joke goes, it uh, looks like Alabama won't be playing their biggest basketball rival in the Final Four.
0: <laughs> no, uh, but USC Oregon is a really interesting matchup. The All Pac-12 matchup. Uh, I got I got USC, excuse me, advancing there. The Mobley brothers, Evan Mobley, who's potentially the number two overall pick in the draft, the big seven-footer. They looked extremely good against Kansas. Uh, Kansas suffered its uh, worst loss in NCAA tournament history at the hands of the Trojans. Uh, Oregon looked really nice, though, against Iowa. But that's also because I, – I don't know how much of a factor it was that they didn't have to play again in a first game against VCU. Um, but because of COVID, the Rams had to leave, leave uh, Indianapolis – but uh, but you, USC, you know, they beat them by 15 earlier in the year, um, and I just, I just think USC is too deep and too well coached. I mean, Dana Altman's a really good coach for Oregon, but um, I think USC's got the horses. Uh, and in, in a USC Gonzaga lead eight is is not very bad.
1: Yeah, no, I, I, you know, going off of what happened earlier, year, USC, I think they beat them 72 58. Um, I. Uh, this, this is one of, one of the biggest toss-up games. These are both very talented teams, but you know one thing we have to consider is um, <clears throat> you know, USC won two games against teams that did nothing but jack up threes, and Oregon's not that type of team. Um, USC is five and five against everyone um, else who, who made eight or more from the outside, um, so that's, that's not good. Oregon takes a lot of threes. Oregon is 15-1 and one this season when it makes eight or more threes and six and five when it doesn't. So I think threes from the Oregon side of things is what gonna, is what going to determine this game. Um, I think Oregon's is going to make that many threes, though, against the USC perimeter defense that hasn't done um, incredibly well as of late. Um, I, I actually have Oregon winning this game. Um, I think that Oregon is still probably a little bit upset that they got, uh, run, <laughs> they got run out of the arena against the Trojans earlier this year. Um, I think Oregon will, of course, ultimately lose to Gonzaga the next round, but I have Oregon in this game.
0: All right, so you got Gonzaga, Oregon. I've got Gonzaga, USC. I think Gonzaga moves on. Um, I think Gonzaga is the Final Four uh, member coming out of the West. You, um, who, who did you have the East? Did you have Alabama making it the Final Four? Or did you have, um, did you have Michigan?
1: Um, currently, I would have to. I think. Kind of echo what you said earlier. I I think the matchup between Alabama and Michigan leans Alabama ever so slightly. Um, so going off of that, to not dive into a full preview, um, I would have Alabama and Gonzaga in the Final Four. Alabama and Gonzaga.
0: Um, and I and I'm my matchup out of Alabama and Florida State, like I mentioned earlier. And I think Alabama squeaks by that game. Will be played in Lucas Oil Stadium if they make it to the Elite Eight. Um, in Alabama in a big <laughs> cavernous, cavernous gym. I, I think. is is great for Alabama. You know, they're used to playing in Coleman Coliseum, which is huge um, compared to other college gyms. And I think there they can find their stroke and really shoot it over the bigs of Florida State. So so give me Alabama and Gonzaga making it to the final four. Gonzaga from the west, Alabama from the east. And then, Joey, uh, let's finish up with the south and the midwest. Baylor, Villanova. Of all the teams in the Sweet 16, Villanova said the easiest route. You beat Winthrop, then you beat North Texas, right? And Villanova was unbelievable. They hit, you know, 15 threes against North Texas. They're still missing Colin Gillespie, their best player. He will not be back, obviously, um, suffering a torn MCL. But uh, Baylor, Villanova, uh, you got to think Baylor is just is going to potentially roll over in this one.
1: Yeah, I think it's a similar matchup like like Gazaga and Creighton. Um, while Villanova's played some very good basketball, they haven't played some very good teams. Um, I think Baylor's going to come out and surprise Villanova and and win this one handily.
0: Yeah, Baylor, Jared Butler, um, you know, and Mitchell, they're so good and they're a great backcourt. Uh, give me the Bears uh, by a lot. Arkansas Oral Roberts. Uh, this was tough, man. Arkansas and Oral Roberts played earlier in the year. Oral Roberts had a double-digit lead at halftime. But I, I just think uh, the clock strikes midnight for the Cinderella team of 2021 uh, against the Razorbacks.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think, I think the game – th- <clears throat> I think the road ends for Oral Roberts here. They've been a fantastic Cinderella so far. Of course, beating Ohio State in the first round and beating Florida. Um, I thought they were going to lose to Florida – um, but they, they won that one, you know, by three there at the end. And, um, but I, I, Eric Musselman has built something special in Fayetteville. Regardless of what you uh, or anybody believes of Eric Musselman, he's done a great job in building this program in such a short time. You know, he's kind of the opposite. He's kind of uh, opposite of NATO's in that regard. You know, these, these two guys have come in here and built programs in very quick times. But um, I have Arkansas advancing to the Elite Eight over Oral Roberts as much to my chagrin. Um, but uh, I don't think uh, Oral Roberts has much of a chance in this one.
0: No, I, I think, like I said, I mean, now they're back courts. Uh, Obama's, uh, Max Obama's is really good. And he's carried this team uh, over Ohio State and over Florida when they had to bounce back from double digits in that game against the Gators late. But yeah, Arkansas Baylor is a very interesting matchup, Joey. Oh, man. I, you know, Arkansas is just kind of, they kind of feel like a team of destiny, really, um, mm-hmm. in terms of getting out of that bracket. Um, I'm actually going to go with the upset here. I'm going to go with Arkansas over Baylor um, because I like Arkansas size and interior. Justin Smith has been playing out of his mind. Moses Moody is one of those freshmen that can really light it up. Give me Arkansas uh, to beat Baylor in the Elite Eight.
1: Yeah, I filled out two brackets this year, only two. I usually fill out a lot more, but this year I filled out two. And in one of them I had Baylor beating Arkansas, and the other one I had Arkansas beating Baylor. Um, but after watching these, these teams play and, and seeing how they've been able to, to handle their opponents, um, I, I honestly agree with you. I think Arkansas has, has the, the tools it, it needs to upset Baylor. Um, I know uh, one seeds are um, <clears throat> in these late round, you know, like Sweet 16 matchups, Elite 8 matchups. It's usually, Scott, but the one seed. But in this case, I got to go with the Razorbacks. I, I agree with you, and then I think they're a team of destiny, and it would not surprise me to see them in the Final Four at all let's move over to the midwest the
0: actually the one that's kind of most wide open um and you've got loyal chicago who upset illinois the ramblers are back in the sweet 16 first time since 2018 when they went to the final four oregon state who's had the probably the toughest ta- uh toughest um, route to get here outside of war roberts they gods mapped uh, uh, Tennessee. They destroyed, I mean, you know, they pulled away from Oregon's uh, Oklahoma State late. So we got the Ramblers and the Beavers in the top half, and then the bottom half, Syracuse and Houston. I think Loyal Chicago should be the favorite right now, Joey, of this region. Even though Houston's a two seed, I think Loyal Chicago should be the favorite to come out of this. Um, so give me Loyal Chicago on their defense and Cameron Crutwig uh, to beat Oregon State. And then give me Syracuse, the two-three zone, buddy. Beheim, give me those guys over Houston. I was not impressed with Houston against Rutgers. I, I saw that game live. I I was not impressed. I mean, Houston needed a fourteen-to-two run in the final three minutes to win that game. So give me Syracuse and Loyola Chicago in that elite elite eight matchup.
1: No, I agree. You know. Um, <clears throat> Oregon State might have had its moments, but I think slow and steady, you know, could win the race in this matchup. Loyola Chicago is, is deadly enough with its, you know, its, its, for lack of a better term, suffocating defense. You know, they led the nation um, allowing an under 56 points per game, and I think they can keep this Oregon State team cold. Um, the Ramblers will um, keep on scoring, and I think they'll find ways to generate points in a variety of ways. Let's um, not unless I forget about Porter Moser, and them giving him and Loyola a week to prepare. I think this team's being ready. I have Loyola beating Oregon State. Fantastic season for Oregon State. You know, what a dark horse this season, as, as, as with Loyola. Um, but I, I give it to the, to the Ramblers in this one. Um, talking about Syracuse-Houston, <clears throat> I think Houston is, you know, Syracuse gets a lot of love uh, and respect for its defense, but I think Houston is every bit as tough. Um, I have Houston beating beating the Orange in this. Um, I, I think it's going to be a really, really close fight, though. I, I, I think it's going to come down to between one and three points, but I'm going to side with Houston in that one.
0: So you got Houston and Loyola. Uh, who, who who you got coming out of that
1: game? Oh, boy, that's going to be a tough one. You know, I think that all comes down to momentum. I think Loyola will have momentum because I think they're going to beat Oregon State more handily. And I, this is going to be a little personal bias here. I would love to see a Loyola Chicago Arkansas Final Four matchup. So I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna side with the Ramblers in this. I think the Ramblers have what it takes to make it to the Final Four. That being said, Houston is a solid team. I think if these two teams match up, it could be one of the biggest toss-up games um, in this entire bracket. Um, So, but give me Loyola versus Arkansas in the Final Four, and then Gonzaga and Alabama on the other side.
0: Yeah, I've got Loyola, Syracuse, and that would be an interesting matchup because Loyola is obviously one of the best defensive teams in the country. Syracuse, obviously, with the 2-3 zone, they're playing arguably the best defense right now. Uh, Loyola's kind of been there the entire season. I like Loyola in the Final Four. So we have the same Final Four, Joey, just a different way to get there. Um, Now, picking the rest of this is really tough. Uh, Give me Gonzaga over Alabama, and then Arkansas-Loyola. Oh, man, this is really tough um mm, oh man this is like a, <laughs> a hard chance. one <laughs> uh, This is like this is like a second chance bracket um give I, I want to say Loyola but give me Arkansas give, give me Arkansas I've got Gonzaga Arkansas now in this second chance bracket per se uh and with Gonzaga cutting down the nets on April 5th
1: yeah no that's, that's exactly what I got I think I think Arkansas can they're, they have the offensive capabilities to take down Loyola, despite its defense. Um, that being said, Loyola could still go in there, but I, I have Arkansas, and then I have Gonzaga. I think Alabama is going to surprise Gonzaga. I think they're going to score a lot more points than Gonzaga thinks they, than most people think they would against Gonzaga. But I do have Gonzaga advancing. Um, I, and I think a Gonzaga Arkansas um, matchup would be, you know, prime. I do think Gonzaga edges out Arkansas on that one, but. Um, two of the best teams um, definitely deserving of making it to the final. There you have
0: it. We both have Gonzaga cutting down the nets, but Alabama reaching its first Final Four in program history, which would be um, absolutely incredible. I mean, if Alabama and Gonzaga did end up playing, I mean, two of the fastest teams in the country, two teams that uh, love to get up and down the floor, love to shoot the three, play good defense, that would be That is the recipe for an all-time matchup, in my opinion. Um, But, man, let's hope that happens, Joey. Let's hope it does. And uh, we'll be with you guys along the ride. Myself and Joey, uh, like I said, we'll be going to Indianapolis on Saturday. So stay tuned for all the coverage. And then they keep winning. We'll we'll be there next Saturday for the Final Four. So um, good stuff, good stuff. And uh, make sure you guys always check out BamaCentral.com, the Sports Illustrated home. You can either go to BamaCentral.com or you can go to SI.com slash Alabama to find all the Crimson Tide coverage you want and all the Crimson Tide coverage you need. Thanks again, Joey. Absolutely. Thank you. All right. There you have it. This has been the All Things BEMA Podcast.